passenger gesture with agitated hands. The man was probably fifty, with grey stubble, and features that suggested a fondness for drink. Black and red letters on his cap declared, I love Canada. A maple leaf replaced the traditional heart icon. Ryan nodded, wrote something in what I knew was a small notebook. Refocusing on the corpse, I continued jotting in my own spiral pad. The body lay supine, encased in clear plastic, with only the left lower leg outside and exposed. Duct tape sealed the plastic under the chin and around the left calf. The exposed left foot wore a heavy biker boot. Above its rim, a two-inch strip of flesh was the color of oatmeal. A length of yellow polypropylene rope looped the boot roughly halfway up its laces, The rope's other end was attached to a rock via an elaborate network of knots. The victim's head was wrapped separately in what looked like a plastic grocery bag. A black tube protruded from one side of the bag, held in place with more duct tape. The whole arrangement was secured by tape circling the neck and the tube's point of exit. What the flip? When I dropped to a squat... The whining went mongo. Shiny green missiles bounced off my face and hair. Up close, the smell of putrefaction was unmistakable. That was wrong, given the Vic's packaging. Waving off Diptera, I repositioned for a better view of the body's far side. A dark mass pulsated in what I calculated was the right thigh region. I shooed the swarm with one gloved hand and felt a wave of irritation. The right lower was visible through a fresh cut in the plastic. Flies elbowed for position on the wrist and moved upward out of sight. Son of a bitch! Suppressing my annoyance, I shifted to the head. Algae spread among the folds and creases of the bag covering the top and back of the skull. More slimed one side of the odd little tube. I could discern murky features beneath the translucent shroud, a chin, the rim of an orbit, a nose bent to one side. Bloating and discoloration suggested that visual identification would not be an option. Rising, I swept my gaze toward the pond. Nose to the shore was a tiny aluminum skiff with a three-horsepower outboard engine. On the floor in back were a beer cooler, a tackle box, and a fishing rod. Beside the skiff was a red canoe, beached and lying on its starboard side. Navigator was lettered in white below the port gunnel. Polypropylene rope ran from a knot on the canoe's midship thwart to a rock on the ground. I noted that the knots on the rock resembled the one securing the victim's ankle weight. Inside the canoe, a paddle lay lengthwise against the starboard hull. A canvas duffel was wedged below the stern seat. A knife and a roll of duct tape were snugged beside the duffel. An engine hum joined the buzz of flies and the bustle and click of techs moving around me. I ignored it. Five yards up the shoreline, a rusted red moped sat beneath a precociously flowering tree. The license plate was unreadable from where I stood, at least with my eyes. Dual rearview mirrors, kickstand, raised trunk behind the seat. The thing reminded me of my freshman undergrad wheels. 
I'd loved that scooter. Walking the area between the skiff and the moped, I saw a set of tire treads, consistent with a pickup parked by the road, and one tread line consistent with a moped itself. No foot or boot prints. No cigarette butts, aluminum cans, condoms, or candy wrappers. No litter of any kind. Satisfied I'd learned nothing further from the scene, and wanting a word with the industrious Agent Bando, I turned and walked toward the vehicles lining the road. A black van had joined Ryan's Jeep, the blue crime scene truck, the fisherman's pickup, and Bando's SQ cruiser. Yellow letters on the van said Bureau de Coroner. I approached Bando, a gangly twenty-something with a wheat-blonde mustache and skin that looked like it really hated sun. Though it was hidden by his agent's cap, I envisioned pale hair going south at a rate that alarmed its young owner.